Proverbs 18, verse number 21, the Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That old unruly tongue that James 3 spoke about has the power to do a lot of damage, or if it is governed and guided by the Word and the will of God, can uplift, encourage, preach the gospel, and praise and pray to Almighty God. Reminds me a little bit of what Brother George Bailey once said. He said, that old tongue, you better watch out. It's in a wet place. It's liable to slip. And that's exactly right. You've got to watch the tongue. You've got to be careful about it. Make sure that we use it in a way that honors and uplifts God. And tonight, we have set before us the privilege of thinking about the subject of prayer. I'm going to warn you ahead of time. I'm wound up like the old $2, proverbial $2 watch on the subject. I'm excited about speaking on the subject of prayer. And so if I talk fast or give information overload, which I'll try not to do, maybe you'll buckle up and hold on and understand why. And we'll hopefully get a lot out of this on the subject of prayer. Tonight we want to begin by illustrating the power, the importance, and the essentiality of prayer in the Christian's life. Some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture have to do with or deal with the subject of prayer. I think about Bible passages like the one that our brother read for us tonight. Hebrews 4 verse 16 illustrates the the monumentous joy and benefit of prayer. The writer says, Let us therefore come boldly, where? To the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. What's so great about prayer? Friend, prayer, through prayer, I can be ushered to the very throne of God, and I can find mercy and grace to help in time of need. The highest throne in all the universe, my tongue, through prayer, has the power to take me before the throne of God. And there is help, there is mercy, and there is grace to be found. What an awesome privilege and benefit that is. I think of verses like Luke chapter 18, verse 1. What an encouraging verse this is. Men ought always to pray and never lose heart. Do you ever find that sometimes life gets discouraging? Do you ever find that sometimes life kind of throws you a curveball and you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say and you're at a loss in a various situation? Men ought always to pray and never lose heart. Thank God for the privilege and the benefit of prayer that lifts us up to the throne of God where we can find help. I love the words of 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Listen to this. You know, someone says, how do I know God cares for me? Listen to 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares upon Him. Listen now. He cares for you. Friend, what a, a wonderful thing it is to know that the, the God who spoke and the world came into existence, the God who loved this world so much that He sent His Son to die for us, cares for me. And He says... Cast all your cares upon me. I care for you. My anxieties, my difficulties, the challenges that we face in life, the, the, the sin or whatever it may be we struggle with, God says in essence, let me help you with that. And so what a wonderful tool prayer in and of itself is. Mentioned several here tonight. And we mentioned others. Some of those were the same who were in need of prayer. And I can't help but think of James 5, verses 13 through 15. 
The Bible says, Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them, let him, let them anoint him with oil, praying over him. And listen to this. These wonderful words. And the prayer of faith will save him. Prayer has powerful results and, and it's a privilege that God has given us that ability to talk to him. Think of James chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man overcomes much. Friend, of all the benefits that have been so richly given, you know, we read in Ephesians 1 verse 3, every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. And we could make a, just a huge list of all those spiritual blessings, but probably at the top of every one of those lists, prayer would be right up there. The ability to communicate and be in fellowship with God through prayer. It's just an amazing blessing God has given to each one of us. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer with thanksgiving, being watchful in it. Prayer is something that I want to make a, a regular part of my life and that I want to be a continuation of my Christian life each and every day. Thus, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that everything I do in life is prayer, but... There ought not to ever be a time in my life and yours when we can't come before the throne of God, ask for help, mercy, forgiveness, and His uh, guidance in dealing with the issues of life. But you know, of all the verses I've mentioned so far, there's one that I think really has uh, stood out to me lately about prayer, and it's found in Matthew 14, verse 23. It's really just kind of a, a statement about our Lord and His ministry. I want you to turn to this verse with me. I hope you'll maybe note this or mark it in your Bible. Look in Matthew chapter 14. And I want you to look at what the Bible comments on Jesus, about Jesus, in Matthew 14, verse 23. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 23. Look at this passing comment about the Lord's ministry. This is after Jesus has fed the 5,000. On one account after that, you remember in John 6, uh, they wanted to take Him by force and make Him a king. And so the, the, the crowds are coming to Jesus. They're flogging to Him. And look what it says in Matthew 14, 23. And when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, don't miss this, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Friend, I want you to think about how, how action-packed, how, how, how busy Jesus is in his life and his ministry. Just a few years on this earth, he's healing the sick, he's feeding the poor, he's helping the needy, he's casting out demons, he's preaching the gospel, and at one point, he stops all of that, sends the multitudes away, goes up on the mountain by himself, to pray. You know, one of the things that passage teaches me, and I hope it teaches all of us as well, is that prayer was important in the life of Jesus. If Jesus needed to go up on the mountain, away from the multitudes, by Himself to pray, then friend, that illustrates the importance of prayer. Mark 1 verse 35, the Bible says of Jesus, in the morning, a great while before daylight, He departed, went out to a solitary place, and there prayed. And so we think about the power of prayer. 
in my life and yours. And friend, we could say it this way. If I asked you tonight to stop and think about situations in your life, as a Christian where you were struggling, situations where you were dealing with a difficult situation, uh, maybe a situation where somebody in your life was hurting or sick and, and you prayed to God, don't you know the encouragement, the help, and the answer to prayer can clearly be seen probably in all of our lives at times like that. Again, thank God for the power and the privilege of prayer. But let's ask this question. I know it's a, a rather basic and fundamental question, but it'll help us in defining it according to the Bible. What do we mean when we say prayer? Well, a basic dictionary definition of prayer is to address God in adoration, confession, supplication, or thanksgiving, according to Webster's Dictionary. And again, that's very basic and hits most of what we think about in prayer, but there's some, there's some words in the New Testament that really help bring out the, the nuances and the, the power of prayer a little differently. Let me mention some of those to you tonight, and I won't go into a whole lot of detail on the original language here, except maybe just to mention it. The most common Greek word for prayer is the word prosukamai. And that word is the preposition pros, which means uh, toward, in the direction of, or uh, kind of in the approach of. And so uh, the preposition carries the idea of in the direction of, in the word ukamai, which means thus to uh, address, it means to express one's desire, longing, or address someone. And so we're talking about, when we mention prayer, that word that is used the most in the Bible, it is addressing in the direction of, the approach of, looking to and requesting God for help. And when I think about this word as it relates to a Bible definition, uh, expressing one's desire or longing toward God, I can't help but think of Romans 10 verse 1. Uh, here's probably a perfect picture of expressing one's heart's desire toward God. Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Do you think Paul understood that expressing his longing or desire toward God? And that's what prayer really is. Each of us have, have things that we really don't know how to deal with exactly or, or situations that we need help in or struggles that we have. But, you know, I may not always know exactly what to do, but I know who does. And I know who's in charge. And I know where to go for help with those longings or desires. Another Greek word that is often used is the word eratao. This word is defined as to ask or make one's request. Um, used uh, in a very uh, illustrative way in Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And so we're beseeching God, we're requesting, we're asking God for help when we pray. And so not only is it expressing my heart's longing and desire, we're also requesting Asking for God's help in certain things. And then there's another beautiful word that I want to mention to you because it puts a little different idea on that. Another Greek word that paints a beautiful picture of prayer is the word parakaleo. This word literally means to call to one's aid, to entreat, or to ask for help. Um, give you an example of this in the New Testament. Matthew 26, verse 53. Jesus says, as He is in the praetorium, as He is facing the guard, do you not think 
that I cannot now call down to my Father, ask the Father, and He'll send legions of angels, pray the Father, and He'll send legions of angels to help me? Jesus could have went to God, asked for that, brought aid to His side, help in that situation. Of course, we know He came here to die on the cross for us. But you get the idea of asking for aid, help, in a time of difficulty. And friend, when we think about prayer, that is indeed one of the powerful blessings that God has given to His people. All right then, let's think about some fundamentals related to prayer. We've thought about the power of it. We've looked at some verses that kind of help us define what prayer is. But are there any things in my life or in your life that I need to understand about prayer that will help make it more effective as a tool in my spiritual arsenal. And I'm sure there are. Let me mention some of those things to you. Uh, one of the things that I want to set out from the outset about prayer is, prayer is a learned trait. Prayer is a learned trait. Meaning that we want to let God and the Bible and Christ Teach us on prayer. I love the words of Luke 11.1. 1. The disciples of Jesus came to Him and they said, you know, this is such a great attitude in and of itself. But they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And friend, I need to be taught how to pray. You need to be taught how to pray. We as Christians need to be taught how to pray according to the Bible. You don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden know how to pray. It's something we learn. I'm not saying we may not know about God or things like that, but I want to learn how to pray according to the Bible, according to the will of God, First John verse uh, chapter 5, verse 15, and in a way that brings honor and glory to the name of God. All right, also as it relates to prayer... Not only do I want to let God and His Word teach me on the subject of prayer, I need to learn to pray with a firm commitment and belief in God and His ability to help. I think of verses like Mark 11 verse 24 or James 1 verse 5. Any of you likes wisdom? Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Now listen to the confidence and it will be given to him. But, let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. And so when we think about things that will really help us in our prayer life, I want to have a firm commitment and belief in God and His ability to help. Now friend, please understand me. I am not here saying tonight that I am a mind reader, that I know the mind of God, and that I know exactly what I ask for. God's going to give me exactly that. But I do know this. I know God cares. I know God knows what's best. I know that all things work out together for good to those who love the Lord, and, I, and I'm thankful to God for this. I know God knows better than what I do, what I need, and He will do His best to help His children anyway. I believe that, I'm committed to that, and I know that's something that we need in our prayer life. Alright, a third thing that will help us with prayer is that we need to pray according to God's will. Uh, you're mindful of the words of Jesus as He is in the garden in Matthew 26. Going through great anguish. A time of, of great difficulty. As you're well aware, he, he sees the events of the cross no doubt approaching. His heart is a, in great anguish. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What does He say? Not my will, but Thine be done. 
I need to pray according to the will of God. You know, one of the sternest rebukes in all the Bible, we don't, don't often think about it this way, but one of the sternest rebukes in the Bible is for people who are not living and no doubt praying that way. Do you remember James chapter 4? Uh, where James says, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, it is a sin. Do you know what the specific sin is in that context? Certain people had made business plans. They went into such and such city. They said, let us buy and sell and make much gain. Wasn't wrong with anything doing that. Wasn't wrong with making plans. Wasn't wrong with having a business. But you know what they forgot to say? If the Lord wills. In our life, and especially in our prayer life, we want to pray according to the will of God. Let me share this passage with you. Would you open your Bible to 1 John chapter 5, verse number 15? 1 John chapter 5, I'd like for you to turn in your Bible to verse number 15. <clears throat> Notice what the Scripture here says. Back up, if you would, to verse 14. This is a powerful verse about prayer as well. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence. What an encouraging statement. This is the confidence we have. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we've asked of Him. We can have great confidence that if we're asking and praying and, and seeking the will of God, that God's going to help us in that endeavor in every way. And so it's wonderful to know as we pray according to God's will, God does hear, God does care. And there's a great deal of confidence knowing He'll help me and you. All right, I want to mention another thing to you then that is kind of something we need to get in line as we pray, and it's this. The individual who prays needs to approach God with the right attitude. The attitude of humility and the attitude of meekness is the way that the Bible describes that. And let me give you an illustration of two men. One's the opposite of that. One defines it perfectly. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 18. You'll be familiar with this. Luke chapter 18, the story is told of two men who go up to the temple to pray. And boy, they are day and night apart. Luke chapter 18, we'll begin reading in verse number 10. And, and again, what we're illustrating is the type of attitude God wants us to have. Luke chapter 18. Look in your Bible if you would. We'll begin in verse number 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, now you listen to this man's prayer. God, I thank you, but I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, I just want you to stop and think about it. You imagine in your mind going to worship on Sunday morning. You are called up to pray and you stand up and the first words out of your mouth is, God, I'm, I'm really glad today that you didn't make me bad like everybody else. I'm really glad that I'm not an extortioner or an adulterer and that tax collector right there, whew, thank goodness I'm not like him. Can you imagine? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I have. Well, you talk about somebody reaching back and patting their back. There he is, right? How did God feel about that? Well, 
let's take a look at the second person. The tax collector. Boy, he's so different. The Bible says, but the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Look at what Jesus said. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Why? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, that's repeated in Luke 14, 11. But the basic idea when we pray is we need to have humility. We need to realize that uh, we're, that Jesus died on the cross for all men, that uh, there's no big me and little you, and that all men have equal right to obey the gospel, become a Christian. I'm no better in the sense that inherently I'm no better than anybody else, but I need to realize with a sense of humility and meekness that all men sin and fall short of the glory of God, that I do not have the right to stand before God and brag and boast and tell all the things I've done. Rather, like the attitude of the tax collector who didn't feel worthy, who wouldn't look up, he just simply said, God, I'm a sinner and I need your mercy. And friend, that's the attitude that every one of us needs. If I said tonight, raise your hand if you're not a sinner, could you do that? Not if you're of the age of accountability. What, what does that mean then? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We heard that all our life. Romans 3.23 There is none righteous, no, not one. What's that mean? The soul who sins shall surely die. Uh, and you, when you've done all those things commanded, you say, I'm an unprofitable servant. I've only done that which is my duty to do. All our righteousness is like filthy rags. Isaiah 64 verse 6. I don't have any inherent righteousness where I can stand and beat my breast and say, Boy, God, aren't you glad I'm on your side? No, that's the wrong attitude. I need to realize I'm a sinner in need of God's grace. And it's only by the blood of Jesus and the love of God that I have and that you have the privilege to approach Him in prayer. That's the attitude that you get down with when you really begin to understand to have the humility and the right attitude to approach God in prayer. All right, let's then flip that just a little differently and make sure that we don't pray like the hypocrites of Jesus' day. Look in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus mentions another group of people that were a big, if we can use the word, turn off. Matthew chapter 6, here are some people that we need to avoid being like as well. Matthew 6, look in your Bible in verses 5 through 7. Jesus said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners that they may be, here's the reason now, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, Go into your room when you've shut your door. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. The, the problem here is not praying in public. The problem here is not even uh, that they used many words or big That may not even be the problem. The problem is they want all eyes on them. They want everybody looking their way as the religious upper echelon. They want to be viewed as holy and righteous and religious. And Jesus said, no, 
That's not how you do it. You, when you pray, you go in your upper room. You pray uh, to your father in secret who sees in secret. And he'll reward you openly. Don't be doing it to be seen by men. Don't be doing it for the praise of men. Do it with the right motive, right attitude to bring glory and honor to God. And then we'll be serving him and praying as he would have us. Friend, as we think about prayer, let me mention a couple of other things to you tonight. Scriptural prayer is always done. One of the things we need to think about when we pray is that scriptural prayer must be done from the heart and the mind, from the spirit and the understanding. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 15 says this, I'll pray with the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Friend, that just simply means that as we pray to God, as we sing both with our tongue, praying and praise, praying and praise, we want to also not only engage our tongue, but make sure that our mind's engaged. Have you ever been praying? You know, sometimes this happens at night. I'm sure it happens to all of us. It's been a long night. It's been a hard day. You're praying, and the next thing you know, you kind of wander off in the la-la land. Well, I wasn't really as focused, maybe, as I should have been. I need to maybe rethink that and maybe take more time when I am more energized to do that. And so we want to pray with the spirit and the understanding. But I also want to mention this to you tonight. According to the scripture, prayer that is pleasing to God is prayer from a life that is also pleasing to God. By that I mean this. Friend, I'm not talking about, please understand this well. I'm not talking about somebody who's seeking truth. I'm not talking about somebody who's trying to find God and find truth. I'm talking about someone who's living in sin. The person living in sin, the Bible abundantly teaches that that man's prayer, as long as he is living in that sin, adamant in that sin, and is not trying to get out of that sin, that man's prayer is not what it ought to be, and that man's prayer does not reach the throne of God. Open your Bible to Psalm 66. Let me share a couple of passages with you. For my prayer to be what I want it to be and what God wants it to be, it needs to come from a life that is trying to walk in the light. Psalm 66. Look in your Bible in verse number 18. This is about as clear a passage as you can find on the matter. Psalm 66. We'll look at two passages. First being Psalm 66, verse number 18. The Bible very clearly says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. The idea of regarding is this, if I've got it, I'm not dealing with it, I'm continuing to live in it, God's not going to hear. Look at another example. Turn to Proverbs. You're not far from it. Turn to Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 9. Proverbs chapter 28. I want you to look in verse number 9. The Bible says this, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. And so, if I won't listen to what God says, and if I'm going to live in sin, regardless of what God wants me to do, then friend, my prayer life will never be effective. I'll never be able to have the type of prayer life that God wants, that Christians should have, and it'll bring honor and praise to Him. 
couple of things that Christians surely ought to pray for on a regular basis, just real quickly mention some things to you to incorporate into your daily prayer life. Uh, one of the things Jesus mentioned that Christians ought to regularly pray for is the lost. Friend, what is, listen carefully now, and I, I don't want this to be insensitive and I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I am concerned, I feel for, I empathize with every person who is facing some type of physical disease or sickness. But hear me well. There is something far greater than physical sickness and disease. People who do not know Jesus and are lost in sin and who leave this world that way are in far worse shape. Jesus said in Matthew 9, verses 36-38, as He looked across at the, all the people, they were like sheep without a shepherd, Jesus said, Pray the Lord of hosts that He will send out laborers into His harvest. Friend, we need to be praying, we need to put that prayer into action, and we need every time to be thinking about lost souls, as was mentioned in the prayer tonight that we can seize the opportunity and reach them with the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also need to be praying regularly as Christians that when we do sin, God will forgive us. You know, this is one of the great things we have as a Christian. None of us live a perfect life. But the good news is, when I do sin, as 1 John 1 verses 7 through 9 says, if I will confess that and turn from it, I can pray and be forgiven. Hey, nobody here tonight is perfect, but the good news again is, as I turn from sin, there is an avenue by which I can be forgiven. Don't you love the example of Simon the sorcerer? Not what he did, but the example that comes from that. Simon obeys the gospel. His former life, he had been a charlatan, a magician, a trickster, you might say. Now, after he's obeyed the gospel, he sees a bona fide miracle by the hands of the apostles. Uh, he says, uh, I'll give you money if you give me that power also. Remember what Peter says? Your heart's not right with God. You've got neither part nor portion in this matter. You're in the bond of iniquity and the gall of bitterness. And listen to what Peter says. Pray. Or Simon says, pray that the evil thought of your heart might be forgiven you. And Simon says this, Pray for me that none of the things you've spoken will come about. Friend, when I think about my life and yours and I think about the power of prayer, I want to pray that if I've sinned, if I've fallen short, the things that I've done that are not right, that God will forgive me. And friend, I promise you this, here's the thing we can know. If I'll turn from that sin, and if I'll quit living that sin in my life, this is the confidence we have that He hears us, and that He will answer our prayer. Friend, the good news tonight is, if you'll turn from sin, and you'll turn to God, God wants to forgive you. Uh, Psalm 86, verse 5 says this. This is the picture I want you to think about as it relates to God and sin. Psalm 86, verse 5, God is ready to forgive. God, God, God doesn't want anyone to be lost, does He? 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, God wants all men to be saved. 2 Peter 3 verse 9, God's not slow concerning His promises, as some men count slowness. He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. God wants everybody to be saved. God doesn't want anybody to perish. And God is ready to forgive. If you're not a child of God tonight, friend, the Lord's invitation is being extended to you. Our prayer, I promise you tonight, the prayer that is on the heart 
of every Christian in this assembly is this. You're not a child of God. We love you. God loves you. And more than anything in all the world, I promise you, we want you to obey the gospel and become a child of God. If you are a Christian and you know there's things in your life that are, are not right, maybe there's some sin that you've not dealt with, maybe there's some struggle or weakness or temptation that you're fighting with, friend, we want to help you with that. God wants to help you with that. And as always, we want you to know we love you. God loves you. If you need to obey the gospel, won't you come as we stand and sing?